Well, can we, can we give Sue another round of applause and thank the Lord for Miss Sue? She's not only a mother, but the Lord has preserved her to us here through all this trouble, health trouble she's been having, and also uh, through this surgery she just had. She's here today with us, even though she really uh, probably ought to be resting some more, and I told her to please just take it off. No, y'all don't care if we sing a cappella, do you? If she needs to take a break? No, I, that doesn't matter to me, so I'd rather, I'd rather her heart do well. I told her to take a break if she needs to. We're going to do a Christian home, <clears throat> and Miss Sue, it's totally up to you whether or not you want to play. Um, a Christian home is 525. us homes built firm upon the Savior, where Christ is head and counselor and guide, where every child is taught his love and favor. the crucified how sweet to know that though his footsteps waver his faithful Lord is walking by his side oh give us homes with godly Of 
about playing this next one. You feel good? Okay. Sure? Okay. Her heart rate is up a little bit, so I told her, we can sing a cappella. We'd rather, I told her, we'd ha- rather have her here than the music. <laughs> we can wait till next week for piano. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to do Feeling Mighty Fine. Can y'all stand up with us? <laughs> is everybody feeling okay on Mother's Day? Any mothers feeling good today, feeling mighty fine? <laughs> I got some whoops. That's good. <laughs> All right. We're going to kick it off. Miss Sue. Well, I woke up this morning feeling fine. I woke up with heaven on my mind. I woke up with joy in my soul. Cause I knew my Lord had control. Well, I knew I was walking in the light. Cause I'd been on my knees at night. I prayed to the Lord to give me sight And now I'm feeling mighty fine Well, I'm feeling mighty fine I've got heaven on my mind Oh, don't you know I want to go Where the milk and honey flows There's a light that always shines this heart of mine I've got heaven heaven on my mind and I'm feeling mighty fine all right ready verse two we're walking with Jesus all the time we're walking and talking as we climb we're traveling a road to the sky where with him we'll He's been telling me all about that land And he tells me that everything is grand And he says that a home will be mine So now I'm feeling mighty fine So oh. 
find. Sing it again. I've got heaven, heaven on my mind. So I'm feeling. Are you feeling? Oh, that's pretty good today. I'm feeling fine, feeling fine. Look, when you get to heaven, the Lord is going to make you do that. So you're going to have to perfect it right here. <laughs> He'll make you sing that refrain. <laughs> All right, y'all. You, I think you can be seated. Brother Bill is going to come up. Oh, you can stand up. Stay standing. Y'all stay standing up now. I set you down too early. <laughs> All right. Y'all have a great week. Good to see all of you today. Pray the Lord will be among us and we're going to ask the Lord's blessings on our study this morning. Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No. text that I'm going to use this morning is found in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, chapter 3. I'd just like for you to remain standing for a moment. Genesis chapter 3. And verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living beings, all living human beings. She was the mother. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Let God's people say, praise the Lord. And I'd like everyone who's not a mother to be seated. All the mothers, please remain standing. Everybody that's not a mother can be seated, and I just want to say a personal word. I'm going to have a message this morning entitled, Mother, Where Would We Be Without You? And I want to thank all of you for the devotion, for the dedication, for all that you went through to be a mother. Uh, We want you to know that we appreciate you that we have the highest praise for you, and that the Lord himself created motherhood and made you what you are today. I want everybody here, let's give them a big round of applause. All right, mothers? Good. You may be seated. You may be seated. Where would we be without you, mother? Well, the answer is we wouldn't be. We wouldn't exist. Somebody has written, some have this, others have that, but everyone has a mother. 
Some love this and some love that, but everyone loves his mother or her mother. Some are applauded and some are booed, and some receive this, that, and the other. But there's one person to whom all can go, and you know who that is. It's mother. Where would we be without you, mother? Well, we wouldn't be. We would not exist. It all began with Eve. She was the first mother. She was not created as a mother, but as a help meet. That's the old English version, translation, trying to convey the meaning of the Hebrew word azer, which really means one who helps. And so the woman was created as a helper, a helper. This brings me to the second point. Eve was created as Adam's helper and not his mother. Many men are looking for a mother in their wives. Now, I know that there are many of you women are thinking, boy, is that true? <laughs> but let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Men don't realize it, but almost 100% of the time, the woman that they want to marry and spend their life with shares major traits with his mother. After all, who was the the greatest helper in a, in a man's life. And I'm not discounting the daughters, the women, but dealing right now with the man. Who was the greatest helper in a man's life? His mother. Who was his greatest teacher? Who was his greatest example, whether good or bad? Who above all others formed his perspective, his view of life, whether that was a positive or negative view, whether that was an efficient or deficient view, we know the answer to that is a mother. Men must need the help or the Lord wouldn't have given us a helper. Men may be stronger, and in most cases they are physically, but they need help in most every other department. And Eve was created to fill a need in Adam, and this speaks volumes. First of all, if you look in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, the Lord said it is not good for the man to be alone. So the Lord himself said that. So Adam had needs that animals couldn't satisfy. A dog may be a man's best friend, but an animal friend cannot take the place of a human friend of the female gender. I can hear a voice in my ear from the woman saying, but he doesn't talk to me. Well, yes, but whether you realize it or not, 
He needs you around, and every man here knows I'm telling the truth. He needs you around. He wouldn't be what he is. He couldn't do what he does without you in his life. Whether you realize it or not, you are his motivator. You are the reason that he tries to do what he does. And it's not good for a man to be alone. If the Creator says it's not good, you can be sure it's not good. So then taking the ladies' side, but what about me? The women may say. Well, I realize that today there are many young women who are not content with being the helper. And I don't have all the answers, but I can give you all, men and women, a few things to think about. Number one, this was the divine order. God created man, and then he created the woman. Number two, this was the divine reason. If you look in chapter 2 of Genesis Verse 5, it says that God created the man and said, I want you to take care of the garden. I want you to take care of the garden. And in verse 18, he created a helper to help man. He created a companion to be a helper. So here is a secret for both men and women this morning. When we, as men, or when you, as women, get in line with the will of God, you will find your own needs met. Women are not inferior to men, but neither are they superior. We are to walk together. We are to walk by each other's side as a companion. We are to walk together, the woman as the helper. Uh, She's to love him as a wife. Eve was taken from Adam's side, a place near his heart. And once the Lord made her and brought her to him, he was never the same. The operation on his side, the Lord was the first anesthesiologist, caused the deep sleep to come upon Adam, and he slept, and the Lord made the woman from his side, from a rib, we're told. I don't know what all that means, but I know this. I know he was never the same, and I know he had a permanent scar which symbolized a lifelong need, and I know that it changed his life forever. Now, as I have said, women are not inferior to men. Just because Eve was created for the man does not mean inferiority. But our Creator is a God of order, and He has done things in the order He has done them for a wise reason. And listen, it's always the reason he has done things the way he has done, it's always for our good. Always for our good. So when we realize that when we try to break 
or violate or to increase or to minimize God's order, we will suffer as a result. We will suffer because we are trying to create our own order. And this will quite necessarily bring pain, but even the pain it brings is for our good. We will suffer because our loving Father has taken every measure for our good to build into every order a chastening mechanism to turn us back to the right path laid out for us in the beginning. And when men try to be women, when a man tries to take the place of a woman, men will pay for it. When a woman tries to be a man or tries to take the place of a man, she will pay for it. The Lord, even in his holy law, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5, prohibited a man from wearing a woman's clothes and a woman from wearing a man's clothes. Let me read it to you. The woman shall not wear that which pertains unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garments, for all that do so are an abomination unto thy God. Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. Why? Why are things like that in the Bible? It even says, don't plow an ox and a mule together. Why? Well, there's a divine order. There is a divine reason, and it's always for our good. And the reason he said this about the man wearing the woman's garments, the woman wearing the man's garments, is because when we do that, it creates confusion, and it ends in chaos. There are many young people today in 2022 who don't, not only don't know who they are, they are claiming they don't know what they are. Why? Because they're confusing God's divine order. Don't you see today, I do, a strong gravitation in general, in the human population, toward the opposite of what God created us to be? You see, the Lord knew the depravity of the human heart and the human mind, and he took steps to guard against it so that that depravity would not break out in the individual and then in society. Such degeneracy, if it's practiced consistently, would mean the end to the human race, and it would hasten the judgment of God. I often think about the flood of Noah, and I had this thought the other day. We say all the time, I've said it, that the Lord judged the human race because it says that every thought of the imagination of their hearts was only evil continually. In other words, God judged the world with the flood because of sin. Well, if he judged the world because of sin, and only because of sin of human beings, We'd have to have a flood every week. Because guess what? We ain't any better. We're probably worse today. No, there was more than that involved. It was a satanic 
thing. It was uh, the Genesis 6 thing, Mark, that you've talked about. It was these angelic beings who came down trying to destroy the line of the Messiah. And there were only eight people that God saved in the ark. Noah, his wife, and their three sons. Homosexuality, bestiality, incest, all of these things were rampant in the antediluvian world, the world before the flood, and God destroyed it. Why? Because they were perverting God's order and God's design. The Bible calls such things as that confusion. And we read in 1 Corinthians 14.33 that God is not the author of confusion. He is a God of order. He is a God who draws a line between one thing and another. A man cannot be a mother or a wife. A woman cannot be a father or a husband. And to try to change this created and established order is confusion. And as I've said today, both the function and the role of women as mothers is under satanic attack. And today, more than ever, we need godly women. We need mothers who will take a stand for motherhood. We need mothers who will stand for the Lord, even if it means, even if it means, standing against one's own son or daughter. The Lord said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Our Lord demands supreme affection. And all of the time on television now, I see movies and plays and interviews in which the mother says, well, whatever makes them happy. Whatever makes them happy, whatever fulfills them. Well, the Lord Jesus said, if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of me. He said, you're my friends if you do whatever I command you to do. Now, Eve was the first mother in the Bible, and we can all trace our lineage back to her. Without motherhood, we would not be. Think about Eve for a moment. She was totally unique, totally unique. Never been another like her. How so? First of all, she didn't have a mother. God was her father. Secondly, she was the first female on earth. Thirdly, she was the most beautiful woman who ever lived. She had no contaminated DNA. God made her. Can you imagine what a woman looked like that came from the hand of God? She was Miss Galaxy. She was Miss Universe. She did not inherit any physical or spiritual defects. And she was spiritually pure and innocent. She had within her soul the supreme desire to walk with her father in perfect and willing obedience. And she had an ability that no woman has had since then. And that was she had the ability 
to please her father and to please her God, she had the ability to walk with her father without sin. How else was she unique? Well, she was the first mother on earth. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 makes it clear that Adam and Eve were created with the ability to procreate, to have children. However, she didn't have, she didn't become a mother until after she had become a sinner. As a result, we have these unique features. A woman was the first human sinner. A mother was the first human being to experience spiritual death, to experience bodily pain, to experience the pain of separation from her children. A woman was the first to shed tears. Can't you see Eve weeping over the murder of Abel by her son Cain? Can't you enter into her remorse and her regret? A woman was the first to lose what she had brought into the world. Women, let me say this. Mothers are at the center of the great and glorious purpose of God. Just think of some of the mothers of the Bible. We don't know who Abraham's mother was. One of the great men in history, probably Outside of Christ and maybe a couple others, the greatest man in history, three religions claim Abraham, Islam, Judaism, and Christians. Well, we don't know who Abraham's mother was, but we know he had one. And we know we would never have heard of him were he not born. We think about Moses. His mother was named Jochebed. We can read about that in Exodus chapter 2 when uh, the Pharaoh put out an order and said, I want all the male children born to be killed. And Jochebed raised him for three months, or raised him, hid him for three months, and then when she could, she could no longer hide him, she made a little basket, and she daubed it with pitch, which was a substance to keep it from leaking, and she had her daughter Miriam, Moses' sister, push the baby in the little basket out into the reeves where Pharaoh's daughter and her servants were bathing or enjoying in the river. And of course, they saw, somebody saw the basket, and Pharaoh's daughter said, retrieve that basket. And the scripture says that when she opened the basket, that the baby cried. And when the baby cried, you know what happened? The mother in her was melted. That's what happened. The mother, she said, this is one of the Hebrew children. But I'm not going to destroy this child. I'm going to keep this child. Why? Because women were made with a special affection, a special capacity to love and to reach out, and especially as a mother. And... So then Miriam's, Moses' sister came up and said, Hey, many of the Hebrew women have breasts full of milk, but they don't have any children because you've destroyed, Pharaoh has destroyed all the children. Would you like me to fetch one of them and uh, nurse this baby? And she said, You do that. And she said, And I'll pay you for it. 
And she said, uh, then at a certain time, you bring him back to me and I'll raise him as my own son. And so God honored the faith of Jochebed, Moses' mother, by allowing her to feed her own son, Moses, at Pharaoh's expense. Only the God we serve can do that. Jochebed produced three outstanding children, Moses, his brother Aaron, who was the first high priest of Israel, and Miriam, the prophetess. We would never have heard of Moses. We wouldn't have had this great law that God communicated to him for the human race were it not for Jochebed, his faithful mother. Where would we be without mothers? What about Hannah? Hannah, who couldn't have any children, who went into the tabernacle and prayed, Lord, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And the Lord gave her a son. She gave, gave him the, the, the boy that became the prophet Samuel, who guided Israel. And uh, she took Samuel when he was weaned back to the priest Eli, the high priest, and said, I promised him to the Lord. I'm the woman that you thought was drinking in the tabernacle. I told you I was praying for a son. He gave me a son, and I promised the Lord I'd give him back to him, and I'm bringing him to you to raise him. And Samuel, Samuel became the great prophet of God, the leader of Israel. Have you ever read about the mother of David? He wrote all the Psalms of Scripture, who is a picture and a type of Christ. His mother was named Netzavet, Bat Adel. You're going to have to do a little research to find that out. She was the mother of David, but we know from David's earliest days, according to the Scripture, he walked with God. Where did he get that? He got it from his mother. His mother is the one who trained him. Then we think about Ruth, the mother of Obed and the grandmother of David, who was a Moabitist from a condemned race. And she wouldn't go back. She followed her, her mother-in-law and became the grandmother of David. And we think about Esther, Esther, who risked her life to save her people and perhaps she saved the line of the Messiah. We think about Mary, who was the, the wife of Joseph and the mother of Jesus. And when she was told, you're going to have a son? How can this be? I've not been with a man. Well, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And that Messiah that was promised way back at the beginning in Genesis 3.15 is going to be brought into the world through you. That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And what did Mary say? She said, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you have said. And let me tell you something. That was a big deal. Mary was just a young woman. She suffered. She suffered doubt from Joseph, her husband. He didn't believe her. She suffered shame from her family, who said that's just a lie she made up. She suffered all kinds of things. She risked death from stoning. 
You know, in the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ, typically in the Jewish genealogy, only men are mentioned. One commentator that I checked out, I went on the internet to see what people said about these four women, and one commentator wrote this. He said, the four women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus have somewhat spotty reputations. End of quote. I guess so. In the genealogy of the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, you have Rahab, who was a prostitute in Jericho. You have Tamar, who, pre- who pretended to be a prostitute and became pregnant by her father-in-law, Judah. You have Ruth, who's been called a sexually forward widow from a condemned race, the Moabites. And you have Bathsheba, a woman taken in adultery. And the fifth woman, of course, would be Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. But you see, these women played pivotal roles in the grand purpose and plan of Almighty God in history. And the fact that the Holy Spirit included those women in the genealogy shows us our Lord's love and concern for women in general and mothers in particular. I know the Lord Jesus certainly valued his mother, and he certainly honored her, because we read in John's Gospel, chapter 19, while he was hanging on the cross, suffering indescribable, indescribable sufferings and pain, both from heaven and from men, and in his physical body and in his soul, he looked down at John, and he said, John... Standing right next to John was Jesus' mother, Mary. He said, Behold thy mother. I want you, John, to take care of my mother as if she is your own mother. Jesus revealed himself after his resurrection first to a woman, Mary Magdalene. The women in the genealogy of Jesus testifies to us of the heart of our Savior, that it is filled with forgiveness. All of those women had problems in their lives, Rahab, Tamar, Ruth, Bathsheba. But the Lord loves them, and the Lord forgave them, and there's forgiveness with Him. The heart of our Savior is filled with love for you women and you mothers. So if you have regrets this morning, you cast yourself on him. He will forgive you. He will receive you. He will make you a member of his redeemed family. He will use you in the experience that you've had in life. Women in general and mothers in particular, I say, have played vital roles in the great purpose of God to redeem a people. From the mother of Abraham to the mother of Jesus, to the women who served him when he walked among men. There's a role to play. The Bible, in the earliest pages, shows a vital role of womanhood and motherhood. It begins in Genesis talking to us about women, presenting a woman to us, the mother of us all, Eve, and it ends 
in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, talking about a bride, a bride prepared and adorned for her husband. One of the last invitations given in the Bible is from a woman. The spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride, this Jerusalem, which is from above, is the mother of us all. Eve is said to be the mother of the human race, and the Jerusalem, which is from above, is said to be the mother of us who believe, us who form the bride of Christ, we who have come to Christ as our Lord and Savior. That Jerusalem is the mother of us all. And that bride joins her voice with the Spirit and says, He that will come to the Messiah, come to Jesus, come to Christ, let him that is thirsty come. Whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. The word freely there is that same word I've taught you about means without a cause. Not only no cost to you, but there's no reason for God to make the invitation except that he's gracious and he's love and he's full of mercy. Come and take the water of life freely without cost or without self-effort. Mothers, where would we be without you? Well, we wouldn't be. And we couldn't be. The entire purpose of God from eternity past to eternity future revolves around mothers and motherhood. The first sinner was a woman who became the first mother. And the Savior came into the world through a mother. And he compares the church to a bride married to him who gives birth to all his children. Born again by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. And that word is sent forth through his bride, the church made up of the called out ones, married to him through his bride, through the church, through the gospel. He gives birth to all of his children. And so I say thank God for mothers. Without them, we wouldn't be. Let's stand together. Our Father, we call upon you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us, who gave himself for us. We are assembled here today in your presence Asking you to have mercy upon our nation. Asking you, O Lord, to turn women back to you. To give them a new heart, a new spirit, a new attitude. As the, we know that the hand that rocks the cradle rocks the world. We know that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. We know that you created the woman for the man, but that you use the woman for the good of all mankind. 
how we are thankful to you today for the mothers in history. All of them were sinners. All of them made mistakes. All of them fell short of the glory of God. But many of them mentioned in Scripture turned to you. They realized that you made them what they are for wise reasons and that the greatest place of peace then the means by which all of our needs are met is to get in line with your order and with your will. Oh, we pray for our young people today, Lord, that you'll cause them to realize that they are born male or born female for a divine reason and that they will find happiness, they will find fulfillment, they will find peace, they will find purpose when they get in line with your will and your order. We are thankful that you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And now, Lord, we bless you for mothers, we bless you for women, and we bless you for mothers and for motherhood. And pray that all the mothers among us, all throughout these United States and this world, they will realize what a great and grand thing it is to be a woman and to be a mother. We ask, Lord, your blessings upon them in the name and for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm going to dismiss you with that. Thank you. Thank you.